Welcome to So Dead, a podcast hosted by two bona fide Wonder Women. Yeah, women wondering what the hell we're doing. <laughs> I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, girls and guys. So today we have some very special guests in the So Dead Lair. Please welcome the hosts of Girlfriends Happy Hour podcast, Melanie McNamara. Hello. Monica Harris. <laughs> Hello. And Ashley Killup. Hello. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you guys for joining <laughs> us today. This is going to be fun. So this is a little turn of events, right? Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> kind of big. You guys had us on your podcast last mm-hmm. fall, mm-hmm. and we had a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Here we are. I'm excited to be here. We're excited Dang. to have I'm you I'm thrilled guys. to be here, and I'm so just excited and proud for you. Proud of you guys. Aww. Your podcast is phenomenal. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. Fun to listen to. Yeah. Why did we? That was really annoying. Do we both just? Oh, thank you. Almost as bad as Woo Girls. Woo! Oh my God, Woo Girls. All right. So since the Soda Lair is full of strong women today, we wanted to do something to honor women. So we will each be talking about a local cold case in hopes of bringing some light to the unsolved murders of Michigan women. Now, the story I'm going to share is real short, so I'm going to go first. Unfortunately, I could not find a whole lot of information on this murder, Hmm. which tends to be the case when we're talking about murders of minorities in a lot of Mm. cases. Unfortunately. Um, My story begins on Super Bowl Sunday, 1987. It was Super Bowl XXI, the Denver Broncos versus the New York Giants. Korean immigrant Yong Woo Lee was watching the game from his West Lansing home. He owned a convenience store just two miles down the road, uh, the Ellen M. Party Store on West Willow. So for anyone local, Willow goes from end to end. Mm -hmm. Um, This was the section of Willow that is between Waverly and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Okay. Um, Young Wu's daughter, Soon Mi, had agreed to cover for him at the store that night so that he could stay home and watch the game. Soon Mi was 25 years old. She was a student at Michigan State University's School of Hotel, Restaurant, and Institutional Management. She was just a couple months away from graduating, and she was living at home and helping with the family business. The game ended, the Giants won, and Yang Wu left home to head up to the store just before 10 p.m. to help his daughter close up shop. When he arrived, he found himself in the middle of a nightmare. Soon Mi was lying dead in a pool of blood on the floor of the family store. Just a few minutes before Yang Wu arrived, three customers had gone into the store and were the first to find Soon Mi's body. Can you even imagine that? Like you're having a Super Bowl party, Super Bowl's over. Um, Can I just add that at this exact time, we lived less than a block from that store when this happened. Do you remember that? I remember it like you would not believe it. I remember her. I knew her. Oh, my God. We used to go in. That's where we buy our liquor. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I imagine that was just somebody stocking back up, you know, after the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And they walk in there and find this horrific scene. Uh, Soon me had been shot five times in the head and chest. The cash register was cleaned out with all of $250 being taken. Um, Authorities believe that robbery was the motive. Uh, They did not believe that Soon-Mi knew her killer. They launched an investigation. A reward was offered, but Soon-Mi's murderer was never caught. About a year and a half later, violence visited the L&M party store again. 
On September 5th, 1988, a man wielding a knife demanded cash from the lone employee working behind the counter and made off with about $400. The next day, on September 6th, the same robber came back. But this time, Soon Mi's father was the one behind the counter. The man pulled out a knife and demanded that Yang Wu open the cash register. He refused, so the man leaned over the counter and tried to open it himself. Yang Wu grabbed a bottle of liquor from a shelf and bashed the man upside the head. Yes. Um, nice. And a struggle ensued. The man slashed at Yang Wu a couple of times. He actually cut his hand really bad. Yang Wu had to get stitches. Um, and then he took off running. And as he ran, Yang Wu grabbed the shotgun he kept under the counter and began firing it into the air. And I like to think, shouted something along the lines of, not this time, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> right. That assailant was arrested and charged with a slew of robberies in the area, but he was never a suspect in the robbery at the store a year prior when Sunmi was killed. So Mm -hmm. he was not, he didn't do that. That case remains unsolved. Uh, The store on Willow is still in operation today, does business under the name L&M Quick Stop. Um, I'm not sure whether it's still the same owners. Do you know? See, I don't know. It's been, it's been a while since we lived there, so I don't know. Yeah. I kind of want to say probably it's a very similar name from Mm -hmm. L&M. Party store to LM Quick Stop, but I'm I'm really not sure. Um, and that is the story of Sunmi Lee, the young college student gunned down in her family's West Lansing store oh, in 1987. It really was because here she is working at the store, and like they said, they don't think she knew her assailant yet. He shot her so many times, right? For like two hundred bucks. I don't What's understand. That? And, I, don't and I can't imagine that mm-hmm. she didn't just give him the money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. It's just it horrifying. Make any sense. That's awful. It's really sad. Nasty. So when we were deciding on all the stories, I kept bringing up, oh, this would be a great one. Oh, yeah, I'm doing that one. Okay, well, what about this would be a great one. So the one I was given, I feel like I am the only person in the Lansing area who had never heard of this. I mean, I'm in news. I know these stories. I know these names. This is a story about the murder of Amanda Davies. And I don't remember ever hearing about it or Isn't even doing crazy? a news story on it. Isn't that, that something? Crazy? But mm-hmm. everybody I talk to knows about it. Mm-hmm. Even my crazy. husband goes, oh, I remember that. Da, da, da. I'm like, mm-hmm. where was I when this was happening? You know? <laughs> but it's a it's a. You were covering fasc- the Hollywood beat. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> but it's, it's a fascinating story um, that is yet to be solved. And it happened back in spring of 1992. So I would have been subtracting years so about 12 (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so her name is amanda davies she was a college student she grew up and lived in danzel she was pretty girl blonde hair blue eyes and very sweet but apparently according to a lot of people who know her she had a taste for losers which some say could have helped her on the path to her untimely death um, she had just come back from spring break. Again, this was early 90s. And uh, she had just been in Florida. So she was going to go to one of her friends' house and show her some of the pictures that she'd taken while she was on her trip. Well, she never returned home. So, of course, mom and dad worried sick. Her truck was found the next day, and it was just parked in a parking lot. Wasn't it at, like, Danville's middle school Was it school the Danville high school? high school, wasn't it? One of the schools? One of the schools. Yeah. But they still didn't know where Amanda was. So on the morning of April 22nd, two young joggers made a horribly gruesome discovery. They found Amanda's body along a viaduct near railroad track underneath US-127. She was clothed. She was wrapped in a white sheet. She'd been stabbed at least 
six times. Mm. Her legs were cut up. Her fingers appeared as though she was either trying to claw her way out of someplace or someone's trying to screw their identity by messing with her fingertips Mm. so they couldn't, Mm. you know, do finger Mm. tracings and that sort of thing. And then this was all amplified. They thought, well, if we couldn't do that, they cut her head off. No. Yeah. This beautiful young girl, they cut her head off and... Her body had been drained of blood. <gasps> what? Now, some people have said that in this, if this is happening in our area, which I'm sure it is, I don't want to know about it, but I know it's probably right. happening. Some people say that there is um, a lot of black, dark magic and stuff going on in our area, and that say could have been a ritual crime because she was drained of her blood. Oh my god! Right. So this just goes from worse to worse. So then, of course, evidence. Everybody's thinking immediately. Ex-boyfriend, because he was just a creep. You know, he'd been in and out of jail before. Also, the boyfriend always did it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, right. Always. Especially, (laughs) yeah, I mean, he was a piece of crap, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, they had done some tests. They found a blanket in his truck, and they also found that it matched fibers on her sweater. And how they didn't tie the two together, they couldn't seem to make a match that was strong enough to get her, or to get him you know, right. Oh, anyways, um, I'm reading and and they were saying, oh yeah, we've got this, we've got this in the bag. You know, we've got the microscopic evidence. It's going to be him. No problem. Anyways, he ended up getting off. He's still free. The murder is still unsolved, but everybody who knows her and a lot of people who know the, the, uh, ex-boyfriend are all pretty sure that it was, it was him. Some people still say it was those who are doing dark magic, but it was it was disgusting. When the young girl disappeared, um, area residents had, you know, all went to search for the body. And then when they found the body, money poured in to help pay for her funeral and all that. But they arrested the boyfriend. I mean, right off right off the bat, they arrested the boyfriend thinking, of course, you know, like mm-hmm. it's always a husband, mm-hmm. it's always a boyfriend. But somehow he got he got away with it. He got away with it. So I I don't know how it happened or how he did it. But um, one person actually wrote about this. She says there are a lot of cults out there, meaning in our area. She says most people don't even know they exist, but clearly they do. They say, go to a library or an occult bookstore, and you're going to find books written by people who have actually been there during these rituals, and they will tell you some of the the horrible things that go on and what happens. And they say that um, this is probably, this is what they assume, this is probably what happened to her. Uh, but they really don't go into much more detail than, than that. So here's oh this God. poor girl who had just gone to a friend's house to say, I'll show you my pictures from Florida, ends up decapitated. Her legs cut so severely they were almost cut off her. Mm. Body drained, blood drained from her body, and yet the killer just remains free. I wish you guys could see Danny's face right now. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Yeah. So what's going in my head is, and I, this is not an invitation, Mm-mm. To anybody, um, if this was something that happened, like mm-hmm. still presently, wouldn't we be finding more bodies that were drained of blood? Maybe they got better at hiding the bodies, right? Because there's missing. a lot of missing people. Yeah, yeah. 
I read oh. um, one story, and it was not an article. It was someone's kind of personal take on the Amanda Davies case. And I'm reading all of this stuff, and I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. This is interesting. This is interesting. And then at the very end of the article, in all capital letters, it says, vampires are real in Mason. I was like, oh, oh. scrap all Whoa. that research. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Vampires are real. Yeah, vampires mm. are real. Who's guys. to say they're not? In Mason. In Mason. Watch out, Mason. Watch out. Oh, God. As, you know, as a That's parent, sad. it is just so disturbing, you know. Okay, you're going to be friends. Okay, well, y'all see you in a little bit then. And then yeah. the absolute worst thing you can ever imagine happens. And two, know? she just got back from spring break. So, I, I mean, as a mom of a 16 and 20-year-old, uh-huh. like, I'm on pins and needles if yeah. my kid is in Florida for spring break and they yeah. make it home and you're like, yeah. right. oh, oh, you're thank God you're great. okay. We're out of the yeah. worry area. Mm-hmm. And that's right. just awful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor thing. I'm wondering, yeah. And it's one of those, you, you think, cause God, there's so many cold cases. And this is when you keep thinking, you just hope someday somebody will step forward and say, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm dying and I just want to make peace and I did it and this right. is what happened or something right. like yeah. that. What's unfortunate know? is if it's the boyfriend, they can't try him again. Exactly. Nope. But at least the family could have closure. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is he, is, did you look him, is he around this area? I haven't, they, they, nothing said if okay. he was or not, but I would almost assume not. You know, I don't, I don't know. It amazes me though how yeah. many people yeah. get away with things and then and they just stick stay. Around. They stick around. It's almost like they want to stick around to see if anything else is going to happen. As well, or they're, they're just an next? ego thing. An ego yeah. thing. Or yep. they're just they're like, get away with it. Oh, right. you think that? Okay, I got to wear it's that. It's part of the, their like narcissism. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Exactly. That's got to be it. Yep. Yep. Well, so that's Amanda Davies. Oh, Amanda Davies. I had never heard of that. I Surprisingly, either. I don't know how I have never heard that's of that. That's all you have I was like, Amanda Davies is a, a big one. Oh. It, and it, I don't think, I wonder what, and I, we talked about this a little bit, like what was going on in the world that that did not get very much news time. Right? Something mm-hmm. else had to be OJ, going on yep. at that time. Was that the OJ stuff? I don't know. What year was it? 92. 92. No, that was <gasps> no. Later, I mean, that is right? OJ was like 94. Right. No, no. I remember standing, I was working at the bar, I was working, and I remember we were glued to the TV. When he was in the Bronco? Yeah, the yeah. Bronco. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that it was, was like that was early 90s. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Still. There had to be something big for that to not really make it a, into the a, public stream. A pretty stream. girl just got, you know, mm-hmm. her head decapitated. And yeah, that mm-hmm. should have kind of passed up on everything and been top news. I, I still can't believe I didn't know about it. I know, me either. Mm-hmm. So, oh, poor Well, Amanda. so I have a pretty, I want to say, notorious case for the Lansing area that is still unsolved, um, and that is the murder of Bernita White. You guys heard of this one? So, and I'm going to start by talking about Bernita first um, before I get into some of the the details and talk about um, the possible suspect. So, um, but by all accounts, Bernita was a wonderful, warm, loving lady, um, great to her neighbors. Her neighbors said that she would bake cookies for them and bring them over, um, and she was a loving um, mother to her two daughters. She lived for her daughters. Um, and you know, according to family and friends, nobody ever had a bad word to say about her. (sighs) So unfortunately, um, it was shortly after 3 PM on June 23rd, 2001, when a single shot rang out near the West entrance of Potter Park Zoo in Lansing, Michigan. So we all know where Potter Park Zoo is, Mm -hmm. but it's kind Mm -hmm. of right near the heart of Lansing almost, I would say. Um, 
41-year-old Bernita White was walking from a pavilion towards the zoo entrance, towards the ticket entrance, um, with her five-year-old daughter, Michaela, when she was struck by a bullet, which um, entered through her left side, pierced her heart, and exited out her right side. And actually, the bullet has never been found. So it exited her body and has never been located since. Let's go with a metal detector. metal detector. There you go. Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a project because they you. probably uh, haven't <laughs> done that yet. Do you think? They I'm never sure. tried it. they've never stopped, Melanie. Sorry. And she was she was killed instantly no. with that one shot. One shot. Man, um, there was I, I there was some reports that um, witnesses heard too, but it was never confirmed, and all the other like. Uh, Everything else I read said there was just one single shot. So that's kind of up for debate. But hmm, somebody knew how to use a gun. Well, mm. so anyways, <laughs> uh, days later, um, police determined that the shot did come from a high powered rifle um, somewhere north of the park. Um, and the focus immediately went to her husband, Artis White, who also happened to be a state trooper. So as you yep. said, um, you know, might have had some experience with Uh high-powered rifles. Um, Bernita had filed for divorce almost exactly a month prior to her death in Uh May. Um, Though the couple were still living together with their two daughters for the time being. Uh, And that specific afternoon, Bernita was chaperoning a birthday party for her daughter Michaela's friend um, at the park. And Artis had dropped off Michaela to her, and he had agreed to go pick up their other daughter um, at Delta Mills Park, which I'm not sure. It said it was west of Lansing. I can't locate yeah, it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's just in Delta mm-hmm. Township. Not mm-hmm. far, yeah. not too far. Right off Crates Road. Okay, yep, yep, that's what I was thinking. Um, and they were he was going to bring their other daughter, their older daughter, um, to the zoo so they could all, um, once the party was over, walk around um, and see the animals together. Um, artists insists that, uh, that there are witnesses that saw him at Delta Mills Park around the time of the shooting. Um, however, none of this information has ever really been made public, uh, since the case is still considered an open investigation. So a lot of those details that the police uh, have, they're kind of just under lock and key. So right. mm-hmm. unfortunately there's not a lot of those specifics and his alibi and stuff I couldn't find, but, um, but according to him, there are witnesses that saw him there around the time. Um, Uh, The former lead investigator on the case, uh, Jonathan Preeb, however, has made inferences on who he thinks murdered Bernita. Um, And this this article I read, it was from the City Pulse um, back in 2011. It was entitled Cold But Not Forgotten, written by Lawrence Casentino. Um, He is pre the investigator is quoted as saying the evidence, the interviews, the information was all consistent towards a certain individual, even though we went to great lengths to look at all other different scenarios that could have happened possibilities. What ifs they all came back to one point of interest. Um, So nobody was really uh, specifying who they were talking about, but we kind of can uh, Mm -hmm. come to the conclusions Mm -hmm. on our own. Um, Artist white has remarried. He does still live in the area. (sighs) Um, he has never stopped proclaiming his innocence. He wrote a book in 2003 entitled Who Killed My Wife oh, and my. was even working on a documentary in 2007 called Living Accused. Um, however, I haven't, I looked up hmm. on IMDb in different places to see if I could find if this movie ever came to be. And I didn't see that it did. So It's almost like that good, stupid book O.J. Simpson wrote, you know, If I, if did, I did Yeah, yeah. So that was, exactly, <laughs> that was exactly my thought. Um, and. 
he, he insists that the police are just stringing him along as a person of interest and that they all have proof of his innocence hidden away in their files. This is all in his book. Why would they do that to a fellow police officer? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and then according to multiple sources, including Artis himself, he wrote it in his book, um, Bernita's sister, Belinda, has always believed that Artis is her sister's killer and that she found the book to be very self-serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it came out very shortly after, was written and came out shortly after the he murder. He probably had it done mm-hmm. already. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So before, before he even fight, oh, yeah. before he allegedly fired that shot, he probably had the book Had the book all ready to go, had it inside yeah. how he would... Um, so, and aside from this obvious tragedy of Bernita's death in front of her daughter, it's a terrible, awful thing to that her daughter had to witness, that all the other children at this birthday party had to witness, and everybody else that was there. Um, a second casualty, casualty occurred later that night when the state troopers went to the door of Bernita's mother, mother's house, um, 67-year-old Barbara Sims. Uh, 10 p.m. that night, they informed her that her daughter had been murdered, and she had a heart attack and died that yep. evening. I didn't know that. That exact same day. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So sad. That they lost, yeah. they lost both, you know, the matriarch of their family and, and her daughter. Well, I can't even imagine no. hearing Being, that mm-hmm. news. Informed of that. As a mom. I mean, mm-hmm. just them showing up at your door. Um, and with this, um, Preeb states that... The reason the heart attack came about was not just about losing her daughter, but that she anticipated it and had an idea of who the perpetrator was. Yeah. Which I know we had kind of discussed this earlier if you wanted, but many people have said that um, Bernita herself had kind of said, hey, if anything ever happens to me, you Mm -hmm. know where to look type Mm -hmm. of thing. That's so awful. That's sad. So my son was two when this happened and we were at the zoo that day. That's so Um, crazy. I cannot remember for the life of me. I've been thinking and thinking about it. I don't remember if we were there before or after. I just remember that it was a zoo day. Mm-hmm. And then that night on the news, oh, I wow. saw that. And yeah. it was just crazy. That's I mean, It was prime time, beautiful, sunny mm-hmm. day. It was a really nice day. Mm-hmm. Yep, in I the afternoon. That. I mean, you never expect. And this was actually the only time that Potter Park Zoo has ever had to close closed mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this incident for the two days during the investigation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember that story so well. Cause my husband and I are friends with a lot of people in law enforcement. And they were saying that the shooter uh, was probably up on the railroad yes. tracks yep. shooting down at her, Correct. you know, and that's just a sniper, a sniper, mm-hmm. literally a, sni- yeah. I mean, a sniper was, rifle. Yeah. Her former husband was a pretty good shot too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's crazy. Um, Most people in law enforcement believe he did it. You know, they just and don't he, have the facts. Yeah, absolutely. He got away with it. He, I was telling Danny earlier when we were talking about everybody's stories that were coming up. Um, this was back when, you know, technology was newish. And so the pay at the pump thing was kind of newish. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so they were putting in, you know, all of the, where you could pay, for your gas at the mm-hmm. pump so people didn't have to pay before. And um, they had stickers on most of the, um, what are they? The gas. The tanks. The tanks. Oh, pumps. Mm-hmm. Pumps. The gas pumps. <laughs> they had stickers on the pumps um, <clears throat> that said, you know, we're watching you. Um, and if you don't pay for your gas, you'll be prosecuted. Yep, and I this remember is what your stickers. fine will be. And Artist White's picture was the picture on those stickers. And oh. so he was just all over town and I th- obviously right before <laughs> so that it was very clear, like, you know, you saw his face on the news and then you're getting gas the next day and you're like, that's the guy. Oh, yeah, my, that's gosh. Oh my gosh. 
question. The gas guy. The, the gas, gas guy. guy. Well, yeah, I definitely don't want him coming after me if I don't pay for my gas. No. <laughs> no. For sure paying for my no, gas. No, 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 no. Right? Well, and here's oh the thing. God. Like, like if she had, she had told people, if something happens to me, it's him. We don't, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. No. And, and whether it's that bad or just in general, like the whole Facebook thing, you're look, right. the grass is greener. Oh, look yeah. at their relationship is so wonderful. And mm-hmm. people are looking at you thinking, oh, your relationship is so wonderful. People don't know what goes on behind closed Mm-mm. doors, especially right. if someone is a narcissist, like a, like a true yes. narcissistic personality. They right. can. They're usually good manipulators. Very yeah. Can I just say the Facebook thing yeah. is such a double-edged sword. Like oh, yeah. if you portray your life a certain way, people are like, uh-huh. oh, you're braggy. You're lying. Yeah. Your mm-hmm. life's not perfect. And then if you're real, people are like, stop complaining. Yeah. Don't air your dirty laundry. Don't share your I don't want to hear it. Yeah. What do you it want? Really is. That's a good it's a just fine my dinner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you get. Here's my dog. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Right. Well, um, so like we had, we had kind of said, this is similar to Monica's in the sense that we kind of know who did it. Um, but it's not for sure. I can't say innocent. Allegedly. Allegedly. It's irritating. Um, so the case has been brought to Ingham, Ingham County prosecutors on more than one occasion, but an arrest has never been made as they believe there just isn't enough evidence to convict. Um, so at this time it still remains cold. Um, and I actually, I joined the justice for Bernita Facebook page just to kind of look through it and see, and they, they still post pretty frequently. Um, and so it's, she's on everyone's minds always. And this year, so this June will be 18 years. She was years. So I just hope that, you know, one of these days they can bring closure to their family. Yeah, it's, yeah. He's probably just kicking back, enjoying that pension. He's retired and, now. Yeah. So. I mean, someone knows something. <sighs> yes. Whether Someone always knows something. Why mm-hmm. don't... Oh, I just don't understand why they don't come forward. I feel like the more time passes, the more mm-hmm. comfortable people feel. So oh, sure. I just think, eats at them, maybe, yeah. too, mm-hmm. over the yep. years. Yep. So... Yeah. Mm. Yep, yeah. so that's the unsolved murder, unsolved murder of uh, Bernita White. <laughs> Thank Aww. you, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. So I am covering the murder of Karen Oatley. Hmm. Uh, Karen Oatley was born February 3rd, 1965 in Lansing, Michigan. She was the daughter of Lee and Sandra Oatley and sister to two brothers, Michael and Jeffrey. Karen was a volleyball player and the manager for her junior high's track team. On Sunday, August 5th, 1979, Karen asked her parents if she could go for a bike ride. They allowed and advised her to be home by dark, as you did in the so 70s. for people bad at math like me, she's how old right she's now? She's 14. 14. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I was literally <laughs> trying to do that in my head. Thank you. You're she's, she's yeah. 14. Uh, as 10 o'clock p.m. approached and Karen still hadn't returned home, her mm. parents began to worry. They phoned the police and reported her missing. The police recorded it as a runaway case. Of course. Mm. Uh-huh. Until the next day at noon when her grandfather discovered her 10-speed bike at Gardner Junior High. Oh, no. So I'm just going to set the scene real quick. This is in Southbrook Hills neighborhood in South Lansing. I grew up in this neighborhood, and when I started researching this story, you always hear people that, like, research true crime stories, and they're like, this one hit me hard. I don't, you know, it made me super emotional, and I've never really quite understood that. This one totally hit me hard because I grew up in this neighborhood. I rode my bike in the same routes that this girl did, and many of my neighbors 
all remember this story. And you went to Gardner Middle School. And I went to mm-hmm. Gardner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually talked to my parents' next door neighbor. And she said, oh, I remember this day. We came home from the cottage. The helicopters were everywhere. Mm-hmm. They were going door to door knocking, mm-hmm. asking us if we knew anything. Karen had been at our house multiple times. I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. And then we moved in seven years after this happened. So and I don't remember this story. Like nobody ever told me this story growing up. So it was really interesting and personal for me as I was researching it. Wow. So, um, okay, they found her 10-speed bike. And soon after the police began an intensive search, canine units and helicopters were involved in finding the 14-year-old. At 1.30 p.m., so an hour and a half after her bike was found, her body, still clothed in the light blue t-shirt and blue jeans, was discovered 50 yards from where her bark, her bark, her bike her bark. was found. Oh. In a heavily wooded area. So I don't know if any of you are familiar with Gardner Middle School. Yes. Mm-hmm. But there's like that empty field right next to it, mm-hmm. which is now like part of the river trail, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like when I was growing up, it was sure like power lines. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all it was. And I remember going through those woods and mm-hmm. it's thick. It's not a place for a kid really to be hanging out. Mm. Um, autopsy reports show that she died from asphyxiation. Mm. The killer also cut her throat after she died with a sharp object. Why? Ugh. Just to make sure she was dead? Right. Or so awful. when I was talking to my neighbor about it, she was like, the rumor mill, of course, started. And there was a soap opera on at the time. I don't know if it was like Young and the Restless or whatever. Days but there was I, right. so I was. I'm a days girl. Sorry. I am too. <laughs> Yay. So like there was a murder. Hospital <laughs> right. Mind. My oh, brother really? actually knew that it was okay to get up from his nap when the theme song for One Life to Live came on. <laughs> Stop. That's, That's so funny. I'm named after a Y&R character, so. Ashley. <laughs> Ashley Abbott. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I feel I mean, I feel like, like there's yeah. probably an so Ashley funny. on all of those. In there the is. 80s and 90s. It's probably true. <laughs> yeah. But there was a murder, apparently, on one of those soap operas, and it was just like that. <gasps> So wow. they kept thinking, oh, is it a copycat? Blah blah blah. But I, mean, I think that's probably. I think just that was a housewife now. theory. How many, yeah, yeah. How exactly. many serial uh-huh. killers watch daytime <laughs> watch watch TV? Exactly. By August eighth, police had received ninety-two tips relating to the murder. Ninety-two. The, ninety-two tips. You would think that one of them mm-hmm. would lead somewhere. Um, they interviewed multiple men. One who had a sexual misconduct history. A suspect, and he was a suspect in another murder. Another who was referred to as the hair man. What? Uh huh. He was called that because he had a known fetish for girls with long hair. Oh, no. Isn't that all men? Right. So police were quoted as saying, he's a weirdo for sure, but can't be connected to the murder. Well, Can you imagine if rude. they quoted the police? <laughs> he's a weirdo <laughs> for sure. He's a weirdo for sure. At one point, the Texas mass murderer, Cecil E. Watts, was suspected as being involved, but he refused to talk about any Michigan killings because Michigan authorities would not grant him immunity. Karen was buried in Deepdale Memorial Park. Her father was later quoted as saying, 
The not knowing is like having a bamboo shoot under your fingernails and you live with it every single day. It's mm-hmm. so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's been 40 years since Karen's murder and police still don't have the answer to who killed her. Oh, okay. Man. Was she with herself? Just riding by herself? <laughs> That's or- the gist I get. And back then, I think you just did that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You pick up a friend yeah. along the you way. Just yeah. You just go know? for the whole day. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, even I, and I'm the youngest one here, but in the 90s, Rider. I would just, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would ride my bike right. by myself oh, yeah. in yep, my I neighborhoods. And my for sister sure. and I, we, I was eight, yep. seven, eight, nine years old. used to old. pack so lunches like, mm-hmm. just behind yeah. when the porch lights or the street lights came on. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And this neighborhood was, you know, I mean, growing up. When I grew up, it was relatively safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This all happened like one year to the day that I was born. Wow. And then eight, it was eight years to the day that we moved in. Wow. Oh, wow. To so I know, super weird, right? But I, my neighbor had said that, you know, the rest of the summer, the kids were just like not the yeah. same as you would expect. Oh, I you know. moved on your birthday? Supervised. What's that? Like. You moved on your birthday? Um, it was very close. Okay. Like with it was all within like I was gonna say that had to be a, a crappy so I'll birthday. say a week to the you get to sit up time. front in the U-Haul. <laughs> it was very <laughs> close. Birthday. It was yeah. very very close. <laughs> wow, my birthdays are epic. I get houses for my birthday. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, yeah. Thanks, so Danny. wow, I think wow. her parents now are in Florida. Yes, and. Mm. I believe her brothers do not live in the area. They're like up north in Michigan mm-hmm. somewhere. Got it. Mm. So super sad. That is awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks, you guys. That was just yeah. downers. We're, do- <laughs> we're a bunch you of downers. A bunch of downers. Nothing happy about this hour. No. There's, <laughs> well, and that's where I come in because – Cold cases, they just leave me dissatisfied. I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I chose one that was a cold case for quite a while until something sparked the investigation again and the killer has been brought to justice. Ooh. So today we're going to, I am going to tell you about Jeanette Kirby. Mm-hmm. And this is basically, this is a story of a brutally murdered woman, a persistent mama who would not give up, hmm. and how Marie Kondo can suck it because hoarding can solve crimes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I think Marie Kondo does not spark joy for you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was all into Marie Kondo until I read about how this case was solved by the tiniest little piece of evidence mm-hmm. that was found years and years later. Yeah. Um, so that's just really exciting. And you guys have have everything like all written written out. I'm I'm just kind of gonna off the cuff here tell you this story. Go for it. Do it. Um, so Jeanette Kirby, she um, she was a 36 year old woman at the mm-hmm. time of her death. She was born December 16th, 1949. Um, I was born December 15th, um, not that year. 1948. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But I, I felt an affinity for her. Um, she's actually buried right out here in, in DeWitt um, Township at Chapel Hill Memorial Gardens. Mm-hmm. It took 16 years for her killer to even be brought to justice and convic- convicted of her death. Um, so her, her dad was Paul Kirby, who unfortunately he passed away before her killer was brought to justice, <gasps> oh, which is so very sad. sad. Um, her mom is Muriel 
um, Kirby, and she passed away at the age of 84. However, she got to sit in the courtroom yep. when they sentenced um, her killer. So. She's a live wire. She's a spark, I tell you. Yeah, yeah. So I got a lot of information from this Forensic Files episode. If you want to look it up, it's really interesting. Um, it was called. It's called Bound for Jail, Season 8, Episode 22. Um, so it was... June 11th, 1986, and she was supposed to meet her mom for breakfast. They had a really close mother-daughter um, relationship, and she didn't show up for breakfast, and her mom was nervous. She was calling and leaving a message. Um, she also didn't show up for work. She worked as a um, like a medical, a Medicaid case manager or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. um, and she worked with her cousin, too. So her cousin also helped alert the authorities that this is a missing person case. Well, that night, apparently there was a just a torrential downpour, mm-hmm. severe thunderstorms. Well, they found her car at um, Riverbend Park, which is in Delhi Township. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just south of of Holt. Uh, it's right near right near where I live. Um, and it's like Birchfield Park. There's it's just a huge trail system, and. Um, I have, I have a little bit of attachment to this area. Um, my husband's family donated a portion of land. It's actually oh, called wow. McNamara Landing Wow. in that area as well. But there's trails all over. So um, they found her car parked there. There was a ticket on it to show that she had been there overnight. They had, they had ticketed her car. And so they knew where to search. So a big search party went out. A member of the search party kind of branched off, went down by the river, and saw what kind of looked like a mannequin, but... They oh, he yeah. knew it's he knew what they were looking for. No. So they mm. they discovered that um she, her hands were tied up. She they were bound behind her back with um something called flex cuffs. Mm-hmm. And these are something that police use um very very similar to what police use um when they're, you know, cuffing like zip ties. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. zip exactly. ties. They're yeah. called yeah. flex cuffs. Um and in this episode of Forensic Files, it's amazing cuz I'll tell you what what finally did him in was the flex cuffs. Um, but the rain had destroyed much of the evidence. No footprints or tire marks. She had been stabbed. Um, there were knife wounds in her chest. And I've read conflicting reports whether there was a sexual assault or not. Her clothes were removed. Maybe with all the rain, they couldn't... Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell. Yeah, they right. couldn't tell. Um, it appeared to be a random mur- murder. Um, her clothing was methodically cut. Um very meticulously, which which was interesting. Um, but anyway, these flex cuffs, hundreds and thousands of police officers use these. So they they thought maybe it was one of their own because mm-hmm. of the way that someone skilled had to kind of stalk her, grab her, overpower mm-hmm. her, get the cuffs on her, and then and then do this to her. And she had been out jogging, so she was a healthy woman. I mean, not one yeah. you could take down easily. Yeah, yeah. She and I forgot to mention she also had a brother too. Um that just made me think of that. So she was divorced. Um, and I don't, she didn't have any children. So, um, so the case kind of went closed. Um, four years later in Leland, Michigan, a, uh, truck was pulled over and there with, um, police lights flashing and this girl got out and it turned out to be a fake police officer. He had police lights. He attempt, mm-hmm. attempted to abduct her. Um, well, he had used a credit card at a gas station, so the gas station attendant remembered him, and they tracked this guy down. His name was David Drahane. Dram? Dram. It's so Drain. hard to know. Yeah. Dram. <laughs> right. Dram. Yeah, he was a 33-year-old um, factory worker. He was also a volunteer fireman and an ex-Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, 
had done a lot of good works as a fireman. Um, but, uh, you know, he denied it was him, but the victim identified him. And so he was sentenced to 40 years for the attempted kidnapping. Um, so that was it on that. Well, in 1998, um, Jeanette's mother finally contacted the um, attorney general, Jennifer Granholm. Go, John. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, Jeanette was really close to her dad, and this really hit him hard as well. And he was just very angry. And so the, the parents, you know, said, please help us. So she set two investigators on the case. Um, and what they did is they realized that nobody had ever interviewed his best friend, this um, Drahame guy's best friend, Mark Greco. Greco. It's Mark Greco. Um, they used to share a house together. Um, and Mark had been refurbishing an old police car. Mm, so he had a police car. Mm -hmm. um, he found a bunch of flex cuffs in that police car. So he actually had given one to David. He remembers the story. Hmm. So, um, hoarding 101, <laughs> he found a hat he had worn 15 years earlier. And inside the brim of this hat was a pair of those flex cuffs from that police car. Now, if you watch this 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 uh, show, this special, you'll see that flex cuffs are made and there's this particular little tab that goes in them. Some have a metal tab, some are plastic. Mm -hmm. Well, the ones that were found on Jeanette, they had this metal tab. These investigators actually went down to Mexico to this factory to see how these were made. Mm -hmm. And this is just fascinating to me. Um so there's this um, machine that cuts them, and specific cut marks are made on the edge of the tab. So as the tabs are cut, the blade wears down, and then they have to change the blade out. Well, the cut marks on the ones found on Jeanette were almost identical to the ones that the roommate had found in his hat, mm -hmm. which he had given uh -huh. the, one, the rest of them that he had given. So they know that they, were, they came from the same batch. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. So, um, so then they brought this guy to trial and, um, his wife actually testified that he would bring flex cuffs in a fanny pack every time he went out jogging. What? For what purpose? Creepy. Mm. She never yes. thought that was weird. She, I mean, I not to blame her, but right? that's like a weird thing. Yeah. To do. You didn't think that was weird? Um, so, you know, to me that shows premeditation, um, that, you know, he's out stalking and patrolling these parks looking for victims. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like Jeanette was just in, in wrong, wrong place. place. Yeah. Wrong I hate time. to say, you know, I hate, you've heard that wrong place, mm -hmm. wrong time, but it's like, we should be allowed to go out jogging True. through the park. Yes. Yeah. I agree. And yeah. So, um, in June 12, 2002, he finally went on trial. He actually worked, um, also at the water treatment plant, which is right down the road from there. You guys familiar yeah. with the mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, um, he, they went through the trial, the, the jury members, um, actually said if it wasn't for that flex cuff and that tab, that they probably wouldn't have been able to convict him. Oh, wow. That's, um, that, even was with all the, that was yeah, the smoking gun. Yeah, that was the smoking gun, the uh, chopped up <laughs> metal tab. Metal I don't tab. know. <laughs> um, that's, in, that's just an incredible story. That it yeah. goes unsolved for so long. Yeah. 15 years. And then, I mean, when you say the smallest piece of evidence, yeah. literally – Mm -hmm. the smallest yeah. piece of evidence. I mean, talk about like the perfect storm. Oh, we just right. 
found the right roommate who happened yeah. to be Have a collector him. of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You know, yeah. Her mom is, I've actually met her. Oh, really? I think she's passed away. By yes, now. she yeah. passed away. She, yeah. What an amazing woman. She started so many, mm. she started organizations for parents of grieving children to get together and, you know, oh, help wow. them deal with this, of the, you know, because that that point it hadn't been solved and then even when the, the crime was solved she still had the group to help other parents deal with the That's most so horrible sad, thing you could so ever deal important. with yeah. yeah yeah she was amazing you know it's interesting too about Jeanette um so she you know she worked as that medicare an- analyst 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 and the <laughs> analyst um when she was a child, she suffered from rheumatic fever, and she missed a whole year of school. Um, she recovered, but her heart wasn't quite strong enough to graduate from a police academy, and she she actually had hoped to go into law enforcement one day, and so yeah. she never oh. she was never able to do that. That sucks. That's, That's sad. so sad. Yeah. So, oh, but then he was convicted, and he got sixty to ninety years on top of the forty years Good. he was already serving. Yeah. See ya, sucker! And mm-hmm. you know this. This Goodbye is forever. Kind of yeah. gross. And Enjoy I prison, bitch. <laughs> right. right. Um. Yeah, he won't be eligible for parole until he's ninety three years old in twenty fifty. Ah, uh, he'll be dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but he does have a profile on Jmail, which is a service that allows inmates to seek pen pals. Mm. Um, he identifies himself as a 295-pound bodybuilder who is, quote, sensitive to other people's feelings with true family values. Yeah, I doubt what? that. God. Mm-hmm. Weird. He Ugh. says he's looking for a woman to correspond with, claims that there are doubts about his guilt. Wow. Don't they always say that they're not mm-hmm. guilty? Of course they do. So yeah. Anyway, every, so every prisoner in jail is innocent. So. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It just it gives you hope that even though these yep. cases can go cold and, um, you know, you think maybe they're not going to be, and, yeah. And, and right technology person. is changing yes. so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see the new the familial DNA yep. that just caught the Golden State Killer. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just there has to be the ability to go back in and look at these things. And I know that in Lansing, there's a cold case unit. There is one officer assigned to the unit. So, I mean, where do you start and what do you do? I was talking to Melanie about this too, because yesterday I was watching the story of the Green River. Green River Mm -hmm. Killer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how they basically had, you know, kind of closed the case down and someone said, just wait, because we're working on technology and within two years, we'll be able to fi- figure this out. Yeah. And yeah. they did. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. With, from, you know, using, finally use, being able to use DNA. And mm-hmm. fresh eyes too. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming today. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thank you. It was so awesome. fun to have you. Um, I would just like to say. Stop killing women Please. because we won't forget. Mm-mm. No. It doesn't matter how many years pass. We're still here and we'll continue to talk about you and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find, find you. you. We'll Someday. Find you. I will find you. <laughs> if you have any information on the murders of Sunmi Lee, Karen Oatley, or Bernita White, please contact the Lansing Police Department at 517-483-4600. If you know anything about the murder of Amanda Davies, you can contact the Ingham County Sheriff's Office at 517-676-2431. Thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at So Dead Podcast.
You can also find us online at sodeadpodcast.com and email us your feedback and story ideas to sodeadpodcast at gmail.com. Now, ladies, you are all busy, professional, artistic women. Anything <laughs> any of you would like to plug? Well, I'm, I'm going to be launching a new podcast. It's called Design Your Ideal Life with Melanie. And uh, I'm going to be, it's, it's basically focusing on conversations with inspiring women. It's about empowering women to take control of their lives rather than, you know, riding along in the passenger, passenger seat, which I did for so long until I decided to step up and I just made a decision. I'm going to design my life. And so we're going to be having conversations with people who've done just that, who are as like you, John, building your empire, my evil empire. <laughs> <That's awesome>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. I, um, launch date to be determined. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very cool. Good for you, Melanie. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Ashley. You got anything? <sighs> Ashley's going to be in a movie. Yeah, yeah. Ashley's a movie I'll be star coming out. Yeah, she's yeah. going. I don't know what I should what plug. What should I talk about? Well, I'm, I'm maybe like, a I movie. Plug, I can plug debt, but I we also don't have a, an official release date yet. But hopefully this summer. <laughs> As she at looks at director. Um, yeah, so hopefully this summer you'll 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 be hearing more about it soon. Maybe Danny will What's that? Mm-hmm. What's that website and mm-hmm. Facebook page? And- yep. Yeah. We. Have, oh, yeah. Deaththemovie.com, um, Death the Movie on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And it's by Light in the Attic Films. Yep, Light in the Attic Films. Nice. Thanks, Danny. Yes. <laughs> you know. There's a lot of things. Yeah. There's Holy a lot. Out of you. A lot of platforms, but yeah. Sweet. And many of us are extras in the movie. Yes. (laughs) Very excited for that. Awesome. So thank you everyone for joining us again and get out there and shine. You magnificent what the fucks. (laughs) 